0: Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. 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 你好. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast where we talk all about language learning, and we have so many listeners from all over the world. And I was just telling my guest for today... Um, before we before we hit record just about how, well, the, the amazing mix of people we have. We have people learning um, learning lots of different languages from North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and then we've got people who are learning English from all over the world and listening to this podcast to improve their English. It's, 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 it's really fantastic. And today I've got a brilliant guest, Ethan Wanger, who we've been friends for a long time. In fact, we've been um, sort of Doing uh, interviews and various different collaborations and things for probably the best part of six or seven years, so it's really great to get him onto the podcast. Ethan is uh, an English teacher, world traveler, and the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Real Life English. And if you are, if you uh, learn, have English or looked at English content online, you will have almost certainly seen this. It's a very popular website, YouTube channel. Um, podcast and various courses as well which help people learn English through popular TV series. I remember when I first um, when I first knew Ethan he was working on these series to help people learn English through friends which was such a fantastic idea Ethan's lived in Germany Poland Brazil Thailand Chile and is currently based in Barcelona and so I am a big believer in learning through stories and TV shows can fit right into that ethos if done well so I'm looking forward to picking ethan's brains on this so
1: ethan welcome to the podcast thanks so much for having me yeah it's an absolute joy that we get to reconnect
0: yeah especially after after the after the last year right Um, yes how is how is barcelona these days
1: barcelona is great i mean we're gearing into summer so like the restrictions have all gone down and uh you know starting to get some nice weather and being able to head to the beach and all those things i mean I really live in Barcelona for everything that you're able to do in the summer. So it's really, especially after everything that we've had with COVID, it's very refreshing.
0: And were you in Barcelona before COVID or have you moved there during everything?
1: No, I've been here now. I've lived here several times, but I mean, I've been living here for four years now.
0: Okay, right. Yeah. So I kind of, I lose track sometimes because people in this industry <laughs> tend to just move around so, so often. Jump around, right. Uh, I think you were in, well, I think when we first met, you were about to move to Chile. And then, yeah. then I remember you being in Barcelona. Tell the story of the last six or seven years. Um, uh, I yeah, that's a,
1: a good question. I've been all over in the last <laughs> seven years. but uh, And in part, one of the reasons I'm here, I think, is just I, I started to feel the need to kind of like settle down, you know, a little bit and place some roots in a place for a little while. But uh, you're probably right. Like probably when we first met, I might have been living in Barcelona. It was like the first time that I was living here, probably about seven years ago. And then from there, I moved to Chile because we got into a program called Startup Chile. Uh, And basically I was there for, I think like six or seven months uh, with my business partners, really like focusing on on kind of like transitioning from just being a content business to actually kind of becoming a startup, a technological startup. Uh, From there, I moved, I believe I was in the States for a little bit, I moved back to Barcelona and then we got into a different program in Brazil. So I was there for six months and uh you know then i was in thailand after that and then finally i think that was when i was in thailand that i'm like yeah need to need to put the backpack down for a little bit and so i kind of like started looking into different ways that i can move back here it's my favorite place that i've lived of all the different countries i've lived in cities i've lived in and so kind of just made a plan and four years ago moved here and i've, I've just stuck around
0: now that's interesting that all these places you've been from Chile to Brazil to Thailand to the U.S. Mm. What is it about Barcelona that, that, um, that does it for you?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I think it just it's really a city that has it all. I mean, it's it's uh, big enough that, you know, it's very metropolitan and stuff, but really it doesn't feel like a big city, I think, especially depending on the neighborhood you choose to live in. Uh, I come from a small town, so I, I mean, I want to live in a city, but I appreciate that you can kind of have that small town feel um, in a lot of different areas as well. I absolutely love to, you have the sea and then you have the mountains are very close. So, I mean, I grew up, you know, skiing and stuff and it's and hiking and it's nice to have all that nearby. But, you know, I absolutely love just being able to be by the vast expanse of the, the sea, the Mediterranean, and then just like wonderful people, incredible food. I think it's just, you know, everything that one could ask for at least someone who loves to travel.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to spend a bit more time in Barcelona, I think, cause I went there a few times when I was a lot younger. And I've got to be mm-hmm. honest, I didn't like it that much, but really? but I couldn't really figure out why because I could see all around me there were all these things that you've described, um, you know, mm-hmm. the amazing food, the great people. I mean, it it, it it felt like I should love every bit of it, but there was something that I didn't quite gel with. And cities are very personal things, aren't they? People, people like cities for different reasons. And you know, I'm I love London. I've lived there for years, but so many people come to London and think, you know, mm-hmm. what's the what's the deal with this weather and this terrible food? And the, <laughs> So it's, it's a really personal thing, but I, I wonder if maybe I was just a bit young at that point, and if I went back now, mm-hmm. I'd appreciate things a lot more. Uh, that's yeah. definitely definitely possible. And see that? Um, yeah.
1: I was the first time I came here was obviously as a tourist, and I didn't like it either. I think just right. Barcelona is a very touristic city, and if you only spend your time in that, I think mm. this happens with a lot of places, obviously. But uh, I, I could definitely see that you might find it a bit uglier and stuff like the beaches that are like the most touristic, for example, it's just like, it's, it's a nightmare. Uh, and I think a lot of things like any touristic city are just very geared to, to get as much, to to kind of take advantage of tourists and get money out of you and stuff. So I think it wasn't until I actually like moved here to live here that I really fell in love with the city. So definitely should give it another shot.
0: Yeah, you've reminded me actually that when I first when I first went there, I th- I remember now that I was going there with this image that had been built up in my head It's like Barcelona, the most amazing place in the world, and mm. I was going there, and I think I had this huge expectation, and you know it's difficult for any place to live up to live up to that same expectation. That's true. I had the same thing with Rio in Brazil. I I, I guess mm-hmm. you've been to Rio. It's like you yeah. know it's built, it's built up as the most incredible place, and I got to be honest, I didn't like I didn't like it that much there. Mm-hmm. It was um. It, I think that the expectations were just too high and when I was yeah. younger I was like I, I just romanticized every single place that wasn't England you know oh France amazing Spain amazing Brazil amazing and so I set a really high bar for myself I think and um but, but yeah I definitely appreciate places a lot differently um now than I, than I than I did when I was like 20 21.
1: Yeah that makes sense too I think what you're looking for when you travel changes also as well when you get older. So it's kind of natural that maybe different things will kind of strike you in a different way than they do when you're younger. And maybe, I don't know, your, your interests might be more geared towards like the parting aspect or the, the fun aspect, the pleasure aspect. And, uh, I think Barcelona definitely could see that, that when you're a little bit older, maybe you can appreciate some of the finer things more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Let's, um, let's shift gears then to to, to real life English and t- tell us about, about real life English. What, what, what is it? Because you do so many things, but in mm-hmm. a nutshell, what does real life do?
1: Yeah, uh, well, we basically help English learners to go beyond the classroom and speak uh, their English in the real world. And we kind of do this, you know, by helping, it's called real life because we're helping learners to get out of the classroom and connect it to their real life. So. Uh, I mean, we've done a lot of different things, obviously, as, as you kind of mentioned, right now we're very focused on content. So maybe some listeners, if they're learning English, they might have seen our learning with TV series channel. That's something that we found that vibes a lot with people because it's obviously so many people just love watching TV series, movies, listening to music. And so we try to kind of like bring all those fun things. And I think the thing about that is it helps people to kind of change their perspective of what English learning should be and can be, and really for any language. I mean, that comes out of you know my own experience learning languages is when you tie it to things that you enjoy, I mean, it's just much easier than if you're just trying to study out of a textbook. Uh, and on the other hand, we have just recently launched an app and that's focusing, like everything we've done in the past to focus a lot on listening, but we always hear from learners that they just don't have enough opportunities to speak. So the app is much more focused uh, on the, the speaking aspect. So basically through that, at the touch of a button, learners can connect to another learner in another part of the world and have a fast uh, dynamic conversation and then you'll connect to another person and the great thing about this like i kind of call it like your virtual passport because it allows you you know maybe a lot of people i think especially english learners might not have gotten so many opportunities to travel and stuff so it's kind of a virtual way to travel especially you know during the last year that you can meet people from all different parts of the world and learn about you know their corner Uh, discover different cultures and stuff just by having conversations with people so there's that really beneficial aspect of it of the cultural exchange while you're also getting to practice your english speaking
0: that's fantastic and what's the name of the app
1: it's called real life english so if you search in the google play store or apple app store real life english it should pop right up
0: what's been um how's the experience of developing an app been for you guys
1: uh, definitely a nightmare. I mean, <laughs> I think until like the last couple of years that we finally found a developer who really fit on our team and everything. And, and actually, just you know, being able to hire a developer, having the financial means to to hire a developer, because there's a lot of competition and it can be uh, definitely a more expensive job to find and everything. So we found someone who, you know, really dug our vision, who uh, is really great with the technology and everything, and has a really great technological vision. And I think that's made a huge difference because we jumped around from like developer to developer for a very long time. And, you know, just had so many challenges with failed projects and stuff before we finally, uh, I think just in the last two years have finally gotten things on track. And even in that, obviously it's always something that's, you know, you have a very clear picture in your head of what you want to do and everything. And there's all the, um, the customer development, talking to customers and making sure that what we're building actually is solving the problem that we're trying to solve. And you know all these different things, so it's been a very, very big learning process. But I think we've been able to create something pretty special out of it, and and you know we're continuing to work on that. We're continuing to make it better and better.
0: That's that's cool. Yeah. So well, mm-hmm. at least um, for, from my side, I'd like to encourage everybody to go and download the 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 is it the Real Life English app? That's the name. Yeah. Take okay. it for a spin, and um, just to, to support um, uh, these guys with, because I know I know app development is is a really difficult thing. And, yeah. and you've, kind of got, you've kind of got these, you know, most apps that we, that we use are created by these big companies that have huge amounts of money and funding mm-hmm. and stuff to, to build apps. And then you've got creators like, like us who are just trying to make something cool, you know, and, yeah. and find our way in the world. And so I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, in supporting all of that. People always ask, have been asking me for years, you know, when's, when's the app coming? And I'm too scared to make one, <laughs> to be honest. That's the, that's the, the truth of it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, ma- massive respect to to you guys for actually um, biting the bullet on this, and I hope it's successful. You know, one of, one of the things I've always liked about what you guys do, and and also, mm-hmm. and and the app fits right into this, is the fact that you're you're really engaging with with the things that people really love about language learning. You know, the, right. the learning learning English through TV, or connecting with other people to to speak with via an app. I mean, this is this is the kind of It's it's possible to you know there's so many different aspects to language learning, but you really are kind of zeroing in on the stuff that people really care about, right? People just love watching TV in English. They love Mm -hmm. like speaking. Getting opportunities to speak is so difficult. So, I, I guess it's just an observation, really. But you seem to really, really understand what it is that people really want in their language learning. Does that? Where does that come from? Do you think is it from the the fact that you've been doing this for a long time, that you built such a great community.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a good question. It comes probably in parts from my own experience. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, I I learned German in high school, I learned Spanish in college, and everything. And it's just like I I failed, you know, at learning both of those languages through the traditional methods. And and, and I, I was fortunate enough, you know, to go live in a country and just be surrounded by the language uh, completely. And that's you know how I got fluent in German not, not fluent anymore, but at that point I was in, uh, and in Spanish was just by being immersed in these places. And so I think it really came out of the realization that not everyone, especially like thinking about English learners, that many of them just do not have those opportunities to go live abroad. And maybe that's because of money, maybe that's because you have a family and you can't just pick up and and leave and go to an English speaking country, but either because you're interested in the language or you need it for your job or, uh, you know, you need it for whatever the case is, uh, you know, you still need to be able to motivate yourself to learn it and everything. So even if you can't go live in the country, then you know, what are kind of like the things that you can do? And so we found, you know, TV is really great. Um, I think movies can be great and stuff too, but I think especially a TV series, we, it, it kind of came out of us creating this course to learnings with friends that you mentioned, because we heard so many learners that had just like exceptional English speaking, Uh, say that one of the things that they did was watch all 10 seasons of Friends. And we kind of like built that. And I think you were mentioning like stories and I know that's like a very big part of your business. I think that's one of the great things that Friends, they really nailed the story, you know? Uh, And it kind of connects you, you know, to that American culture, like New York City and everything. So that's a really great part of it. And then just the dialogues are so great as far as really containing like practical things that people need to know to be able to have those everyday conversations. So, it's kind of just out of that, like seeing uh, from our own experience, seeing from learners that were just very successful doing this, that uh, we saw that this can be a really foundational resource for people who maybe are feeling kind of like stuck or they feel like they've just given up so many times in their learning just because they're bored or like myself, that they've just kind of like failed through those traditional methods.
0: Yeah, it is, it is, it is uncanny how, to, how many people will say, Yeah, I learned English basically just with friends. And uh, it, it's, it's something I've noticed as well. Do you think, how well has Friends aged, do you think? Because it's pretty old now, isn't it? What, 20, 20 years, 25 years? I mean, I've, got, yeah. I've, never, I've never really watched it. I think I saw part of one episode once when I was about 15. Um, but how oh, well has well it, well it aged um, over time?
1: Well, I mean, I think the, the proof for that, they just did you know, the Friends reunion. I mean, there's still just such a diehard fan base of this TV series. So, I mean, if you've never watched it, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, the proof is kind of just in that, and that mm-hmm. over, yeah, I think it's like 25 years or something uh, that it's just been able to maintain just such a high level of fanaticism. And I think that comes out of, obviously if you're watching it, it's from the nineties and stuff, and they've got these big clunky cell phones and stuff. So obviously you'll notice that, but I think what they really hit is just kind of like uh, this age group of, you know people who are like 20, 30 something, and kind of like the, the problems that they have in, in, in their life and, you know, pursuing a career and kind of like various things that they're failing and succeeding in that in relationships, you know, and in in, uh, in kind of being able to navigate, you know, the the all of that's the problems that people tend to have with when you're in your 20s and you're dating different people and things like that. And uh, all these just different things that anyone is going to be able to relate to. And I, they have like six different characters. And I think everyone in some ways can, very much see themselves in one of those six characters and I think even 25 years later that's very true that part of it's very true so it's kind of uh coming back to that story I think that story just still relates so closely to people and was it's gonna, just so I was, funny
0: I was, I was gonna say that the the it's the, you know so, sometimes when you when you talk about stories people just mm. em- immediately make the link with books and reading and obviously there is right. that but but stories so much more than that and you can find that you know, in any good TV series or movie, you've got the story that's at the core, and that's that's often what's gonna what's gonna drive the the engagement with it. And if you fall in love with something, it is because of the story. You can have the best right. character, you can have the best characters in the world, but if those characters don't go on a journey, then there's then there's there's, there's nothing to to fall in love with.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, that Friends reunion. I'm guessing if you're not a fan of the show, you probably would have <laughs> no uh, draw to watch that. But... I think
0: I saw it on the news. Um, <laughs> but yeah i haven't watched it
1: one of my favorite parts of that was they they kind of like went to different people all over the world and they were just kind of like uh, getting these stories about how it impacted people's lives it was Mm. kind of just amazing to see that i mean beyond uh, just people learning english with it i think that it kind of would help maybe people if they were having like a hard time in their life and stuff it's kind of like you know they would turn on this tv series uh, they would watch friends it would kind of just you know help them to pull them out of that because they kind of felt like these six people were their friends and stuff. So uh, I do not know, they had maybe a dozen people or something from all over the world, all these different wow. countries and stuff talking about the the impact that it made on them. So I thought that that was pretty cool. That's to see very how, cool.
0: Yeah. I'd like to see, yeah. I'd like to see that actually, to, to uh, see how that, see, to, to hear those stories from people, because yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's why I do, that's why I've just gravitated towards stories. It's because of all the different ways that I've, approach teaching over the years mm-hmm. there's only a few sort of big things that produce a kind of unusual impact in people where you can do something with somebody and then you get you, you, you just start to hear over and over again wow this this has changed my life or this has this has just transformed my learning mm-hmm. and um and 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 friends seems to fall into that category um, and as do um, you know the, the kind of books that I write and things like that but they're for different people aren't they because one of the things I've, I've realized is that um, you know not everybody likes there's a, bit, there's a big trend in language learning now especially because of the growth of the internet um, and people talking more about immersion and things like that there's a big trend mm-hmm. in watching and using tv and film to to kind of get that immersion in, in language learning right but it's not for everybody. Not everybody likes to spend their time in front of a screen, right? And, and so I, I think part of the reason that that this was st- the book element of the of the story approach that, that that I do has worked quite well is because there are there's always going to be a a group of people who just for whatever reason prefer reading to to watching or prefer books to TV right. or whatever. And so I think you know, part of our job is always about you know finding okay what what segment of the population do we want to engage with and help and then what's the best way to do that um yeah but but let's 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 drill down onto learning languages with tv though because it's always seemed to me that there are huge potential benefits for learning through tv and movies you've you've obviously got the the, you've got the the visuals to come with the audio so it makes it easy to get and guess things from context Mm -hmm. you've got stuff you've got great storylines that really motivate you. but it's also possible to waste huge amounts of time if you're not really engaging properly with the, the language that you, that you see. So what can learners do to make TV-based learning more effective?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think that uh, you'll find like on YouTube, there's, you know, so many videos that have just gone viral about like how to learn a TV series. People are looking, I think people have had that experience, right, about mm. they want to learn a language and, and they think they've heard like learning what the TV series is going to be going to work well. But maybe they try it themselves and like you said, ends up just kind of feeling like a waste of time. Um, But yeah, I can definitely offer just some different tips about that. I think if you've, uh, a really great place to start can be to watch a show that you've seen before in your own language. So I don't know if you're an English speaker and you wanna learn French, let's say, you could even watch like Friends in French you know there's dub versions I think of most popular shows so you can pretty easily find those and even on like Netflix I think you'll find like different audio options and obviously if you're starting with something that you already know the story quite well that's going to just allow you to uh, understand a lot more things through the context and then I would kind of just reflect a little bit you know depending on your level you can take on different strategies so if you're just at a beginner level, then you might even consider watching it in your native language and just like turning the, the subtitles into, okay, if English is your, your native language, um, then you know just watch it in English and put the subtitles in French, if you're learning French. Uh, if you're like more intermediate, then maybe you would then be watching it actually like in French, but then you'd have like the subtitles in, uh, in English, if that's your native language. And then, you know I think for more advanced people, then you're just gonna be leaving off the subtitles but I think it's nice if you're using Netflix or something like that cause you always have the option if you're feeling lost in a part that you can go back and turn them back on. So that's kind of like a nice crutch I would say to have. Um, and even like if you're watching on YouTube or something like that, I think can be useful if you have that feature where you can slow it down. If it's like there's one part that you're just not catching what they're saying then you can like slow it down. You can kind of read, you can try to see, like listen really keenly and see why uh, you're not really catching the words or something. Is there something like connected speech or is there something not being pronounced like you expected uh or even if you're advanced you could like speed it up if you need a bigger challenge uh if you're finding something too easy so i think like all of these kind of tools that we have now with the technology can be very helpful
0: what do you think is the how or how do you think about the balance between kind of passive watching or passive listening and then at active active i'm not quite sure how to describe it essentially what i'm talking about is the difference between kind of sitting back and enjoying it versus actually sitting like you know notebook in hand watching listening to everything very carefully how how do you because it it seems to me that's a very kind of fundamental um is it it, the way that you actually kind of carry yourself as you're watching is going to make all the difference between whether you learn something or not so how do you think about that, that 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 those different approaches
1: Yeah. I mean, depending kind of where you're at with your learning, you can just use that as like a relaxing way to be listening to it passively. And that can be good. I mean, it's kind of can be like a relaxing thing you do at the end of the day and you're getting kind of that contact and you'll probably naturally absorb some things. Uh, But I think if you're, if you are like very seriously studying a language and if you kind of like need that extra push and you want to use TV series for that, I think you do need that more active learning uh, kind of routine. So I think there's a lot of different things that you can do for this. Um, one thing I might recommend, for example, is a lot of popular series. You can find the transcript online for that. So you could even go find this, uh, you know, print it out, and then like maybe you'll watch the series like once, uh, depending where you're at and everything. But let's say you watch it once with subtitles. So you'll understand you're at like an intermediate level, so you'll understand that pretty well. And then you could kind of like go and study the transcript. Maybe you'll just do this with, with scenes, even. This is kind of like what we do on learning with TV series for people to, to make it really easy. But uh, say you're doing it on your own, then you could just, you know, study one scene at a time with the transcript and like do it with a pen, do it with a highlighter, take notes, like look up the new vocabulary that you don't know. Um, and then you know, watch it again without subtitles to kind of, you know, test your learning and stuff. And I would say like when you're doing that too, really like thinking about English, like Honan, for example, on the connected speech on things that are pronounced differently than you were expecting them to. And kind of like go back a couple of times and like listen and figure out what that is. So you're really honing in on how the language is spoken by the natives. Um, and I think obviously using like an SRS, using something like Unki or Memrise to study the vocabulary. If you're doing that probably before you watch even, then that's going to help you to understand better because you'll kind of have like that tool set of the vocabulary that you need. And I mean, if you did this for all of the all of the seasons of a series you're probably just going to see huge advances yeah. in your ability to understand and even to speak
0: i think there's a great tip about actually printing out the transcripts mm-hmm. it, it always seemed to me that one of the biggest obstacles for uh for finding good immersion material in general is the availability of transcripts because often you can sort of find yeah you can find that something on tv or a podcast or whatever to listen to but then you just can't get hold of the transcript for whatever reason mm-hmm. and th- and that is always a real barrier. Because for me, being able to kind of print something out and have it in front of you on a page is such an important part of, of, of learning because that's what enables you to actually just take your time and process the information. You know, you can skip back and mm-hmm. forward. You can read and reread sentences easily. You can find words, you can go back. It's just the most convenient form of actually uh, you know, engaging with a piece of language by having that, 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 that transcript. But it's, uh, I've always found it quite difficult or not, like basically nigh on impossible to find the transcript for this particular thing that I want to watch. So I might mm. watch some sort of obscure, I don't know, like Cantonese <laughs> novella or something. And there's, there's no transcript for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I wonder if, if in English, in particular, this stuff is more widely available because there's so many more people learning English than other languages.
1: Yeah. I think in, in English for most popular shows, you'll find that that's really widely available. I think even like Spanish, right? French, German, like probably the i mean cantonese that's kind of like like you know Canton, i haven't, that I speak I haven't humor, made it's like, i haven't
0: made my job easy in the, in the last few yeah taken on for sure
1: exactly so that might be more challenging so you kind of have to gear you're learning always towards like the language that you're learning and, and what resources you have at hand right
0: yeah and these these things are these uh things that you'd normally find by like googling or are these like script books that you can buy or how, how does it work
1: yeah i mean if you search like friends for example again it's like if you search for Friends' transcripts—you'll find, you know, ten websites probably that have them. Oh, right. And I think this is true for for most series yeah. uh, that are more mainstream, at least.
0: I'm really—I feel really out of touch with this stuff because I learned. So my my <laughs> language learning journey was like in the, my, the first few languages I learned were all the, um, the the regular Romance languages, you know, French, Spanish, Italian, mm-hmm. etc. And uh, it was all, but this was like back in you know early two thousands where right. there was basically no internet to speak of um that was useful at least and so you there were really no resources that you could get beyond your local (laughs) bookshop and so i kind of i kind of just had to do things in a very analog way and then the sort of second half of my language learning has been in um languages that are are a lot more obscure like cantonese like like egyptian arabic (laughs) and, and thai and things like that um, for which, uh, even with the internet now, it's it's kind of really difficult to. Find. I mean, you can find stuff, but it's never the stuff that you actually want, you know. Right. So, I, but but most most people that listen to, the, to this podcast and learn with me, you know, they're learning, you know, your your romance languages and things. So I kind of, mm-hmm. um, I feel, I feel like I'm I have a bit of a blind spot there because I I just don't know what's developed in the last twenty years for these languages. Right. But it sounds like it's a hell of a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for people, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat with my early language learning. It's definitely like, you know, you didn't have all that much to go off of besides your local library. But uh, nowadays, I think for language learners, especially for English learners, it's just like, there's so many resources out there. It's almost more the problem. It's just kind of that, uh, you know, that paradox of choice. There's too much, right. so it's like, what do I choose? So it's, you almost have to just choose something and, and go with it, right?
0: And this is a very interesting paradox, as you say, because so many people, you've got billions of people trying to learn English. But comparatively few people, you know, if you, th- if you think about the number of people learning English, relatively yeah. few people get to what you call you know, conversational fluency or a kind of professional right. level, despite massive amounts of like time and energy and money and things like that. So mm-hmm. where do people go wrong? What, what are people, what does your average English learner get wrong or not do? And if you were sitting down with them and, and guiding them, where would you have them invest their time and money in, in learning?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I used to this, I used to like, you know, do coaching and everything. So it's definitely something that I have encountered a lot. Uh, One of the things, I mean, the place we always kind of like would start with, uh, say, a coaching student would be really figuring out your purpose, because I think most learners, they have a very superficial purpose. It's either like, okay, you're younger, so your parents are telling you, you have to learn it or, you know, your school is telling you, you have to learn it, uh, or you're older. And so you think like, okay, I need this for my resume, or I need it for a job so I can get a promotion, or whatever the case is. And, but that, but that's not actually that motivating for most people. I mean, that just kind of like external, you know, pressure and stuff. So something I would always do, like the first, first class would be, I would kind of have people do the five whys exercise, you know, asking themselves why they're learning English, and just keep asking why with every reason they get. So you can like dig down to something that's very unique to you, that's very personal and stuff, that's going to be a much stronger motivation than one of those just external pressures. So I think kind of like really personalizing it, knowing deep down why you're learning the language, I think that's going to help you a lot. And when the going gets tough, especially having that to come back to and stuff to kind of like reinvigorate you can be really important. Um, So I'd say that's one thing that people do wrong is just having Kind of just learning because you know people have told them to, or because they think that they have to. This is anything that you feel like you have to do, you're probably not going to get very far with. I think another really big thing is just that people will study too much, you know, and they're not actually putting it into practice. I know this happens a lot with learners. Kind of, it's a little bit also like another paradox is that, you know, the you, you feel like I have to study a little bit more before I can start speaking. But the problem there is then the more that you're kind of studying everything, the more resistance that you have to actually start speaking because you just are getting on your head about like making mistakes and things like this. So I'd say, as soon as possible, you know, from the very earliest point that you can start speaking, speak with anyone, speak with, you know, your teachers, speak with your classmates. Uh, You know, with many languages, it can be very easy to meet other learners online. That's like one of the things that we're focusing on for learners because, uh, you know, I think every learner wants to speak with a native. But kind of the problem there is, is it's going to be very difficult for you. First of all, to if you're an English learner, it's going to be very difficult for you to find a native who wants to speak with you for free, and even more so, like a native who knows the language well enough to like correct you or explain to you why the why certain things work in certain ways. So I always say, if you if you can afford it, then a teacher is just going to be you know um, hugely valuable for you uh, to kind of like accompany yeah. you on the journey and answer those difficult questions and and just like point out where you're making mistakes and stuff, which even if you make native friends, they're probably not going to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. You have this kind of dream of just hanging out with, you know, like like imagining that you are in in Friends in, you know, in in New York (laughs) in the 90s and you've got all these friends, but then they don't actually correct you when when you want them to, right? Exactly. Um, So let's let's talk about this because finding finding native speakers to practice with is a problem for everybody. You know, and I think it's Mm -hmm. it is slightly it is somewhat easier for native English speakers who are learning other languages, because just the inevitable kind of cultural power balance, if you like, it's just it's just easier to find people to speak to. What are some, some, some concrete tips that you have for finding and practicing with native speakers?
1: Yeah, I think definitely what you said, it's much easier for us native English speakers because it's exactly that. Like so many people are learning English and they want to practice with the native. So uh, I definitely see that. I feel very fortunate, you know, as a language learner, that uh, I've been given that gift. But I imagine a lot of people listening too, even if you're not a native English speaker, you probably have a very good level of English. So I think it's you can always just be willing to help other people who their level isn't as good as yours. Um, so I think that's something that you can always consider. But I, I'm sure probably there's other people you've had on the show who are much more experts in this. But I can definitely talk about things that when I was more focused on on learning different languages that I found very helpful. Um, one of my favorite tools was actually something that's not meant so much for language learning and that's couch surfing mm. I mean I, I used to use this when I was traveling and one of the things I love about that is just the cultural experience you know when you generally if you stay at an Airbnb or a hotel when you go to a city it's like you're you're just living there as a tourist kind of like you said you know for when you came to Barcelona but when you do couch surfing you're living with locals and maybe you'll, you'll go out with their friends and stuff like that and uh, you'll kind of Get a feeling of what would it be like you know to live in this place what would it be like if I if I were from this place uh that's one thing I always loved when I was traveling but then I use that as a language learning tool because um for instance when I was in Brazil for some reason I got motivated to learn French I, I have no idea in addition to, to Portuguese hmm. but I use this uh, I was living in a city called Belo Horizonte and um there like I, I went on couch surfing and I searched you can like search for members so I searched for members in Belo Horizonte who spoke French and I actually met a guy who's, who's still a good friend of mine. Um, and we just started doing, you know, he was also learning English. So we started doing a, a language exchange and uh, that was really great. You know, I, I made a great friend and uh, I was also just getting some, uh, getting to start practicing what I was learning by listening to podcasts and, and studying and whatnot. And I found this really useful too, like living in Chile and I was, I was studying Catalan and stuff. So I met, you know, Catalan speakers there. So I think that this can be a really great resource just to to meet people to make friends even um if you're looking for people locally yeah
0: that's so you met catalan speakers in chile that's interesting
1: yeah there's there's a lot of them i mean a lot of people from from barcelona that uh moved there you know for work or whatever the case is but yeah i was kind of surprised that i i met a couple people and uh i was getting to that was one of the places times actually Early and when I was learning that language, I made the most advances. Surprisingly, just because I, I was doing exactly what I said that yeah. I was watching TV series in Catalan, I was listening to music all the time. I just was immersing myself as much as possible in the language and actually just putting myself out there to make friends who spoke the language.
0: You know, I, I recently moved out into the countryside here in the UK, and um, I'm in this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say exactly where I am <clears throat> for obvious reason. Uh, but it's, it's a, fan it, mail, yeah, or, or worse, <laughs> yeah. Um, fan mail I could deal with, but it's, it's the other stuff that is a mm-hmm. bit funny. And um, not not that I think that anyone's gonna come and track me down, but you know you know what it's like. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean like, you know, it is kind of, I'm in the Southwest of England, beautiful um, Devon countryside. And um, I'm in, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere really but there is a small town nearby and it's very English around here. it it's got kind of a very white English like countryside exactly yeah. what you'd expect. But I was just, I, I was randomly looking for language stuff going on in the area not expecting to find any anyone at all and i found someone who teaches japanese like a japanese person who's living oh, in the wow. <laughs> so it's on my to-do list to kind of get in touch and uh, and uh, you know start to afford mm-hmm. those those friendships and it wouldn't surprise me if like you say this person actually became a really good friend because of, of, this, of this of the circumstances you know mm-hmm. you were in a very unlikely place to find people who are who are natives of this language that you're learning. And so the fact that you find them means you kind of get this, this, this closer bond. So I can, I can right. totally see how, um, how if you're meeting, you know, for, for someone from Barcelona living in Chile to have you turn up and say, Hey, I want to learn Catalan is like, yeah, come on, bring it on. Let, 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 let's, let's do it. But I think the thing, yeah, that, yeah. the thing that you pointed to though, with this thing, with using couch surfing, I think this points to a kind of broader broader principle that I always like to suggest mm-hmm. to people, which is to try to, try to step out of the language learning mentality a little bit, because I think for as long as people are in this language, like, okay, find language practice, find language practice, you kind of end up getting yourself into this, you work yourself up into a real state, and everything becomes about the language. And that can kind of cause anxiety, it can cause, um, you know, it can cause you to behave a little bit unnaturally. But if you (laughs) can find opportunities to meet native speakers of the language you're learning, which are, which do not, have anything to do with language learning itself that's often the best thing to do because then people are yep. much more natural with you so for example when i lived in japan i used to take salsa classes um and and i'd go and take these salsa classes every every friday night and everyone was and it was it was brilliant and but everybody was there to learn it was just, just japanese people and me and everybody was there to learn salsa right which means when it when, when it was break time and we were talking afterwards. No one was like thinking, oh, this this, this this English guy, let's test his Japanese. Everyone was like, oh, so how do you know? How did you learn salsa? And, you know, we just had normal conversations about uh, uh, something, an interest that we had in common. And then language <laughs> learning then follows that. Because once you've got those yeah. common interest, then the language just happens naturally. So we always try and encourage people to kind of think, step back and think of what interests do you have? And how can you meet people that share those interests? Because that's going to be a far more natural way of actually Uh, of actually getting authentic language practice
1: right yeah i that's something i always suggest as well because it's like again i think most english learners they'll they'll go out there and they'll be like looking for a native like can someone help me with my english and it's like you're asking someone to like help you for free and it's like very unlikely that that's going to work but if on the other hand you're um i don't know you're i think a good example is people who play video games they tend to speak english really well because they're not going and like looking to practice their English by playing the video game. They just enjoy the video game and they happen to connect with people around the world. And kind of the English is the language, the lingua franca. So, you know, they'll get to practice it and stuff. And it's just kind of like, naturally they're getting that practice. in. And I think you don't have to be interested in video games. I think anything like this, if you like tennis, try to find like some tennis forum or go on YouTube and look for videos about it and comments and, you know, kind of start conversations with people there in the comments or, uh you know like anything like that um i I just got like a puppy for example that's one of the best ways to actually get some speaking practice for me is just going out for a walk meeting other people who have dogs or you know going to a meetup or something so i think you can find all of these different things that have nothing to do you know with language learning just like you said and uh that's going to be much better because you're going to be connecting around a common interest not around them helping you to practice the language
0: Absolutely, yeah. I've noticed around here as well, <clears throat> where I am, that um, that uh, having a dog—I well, don't have a dog—but I've noticed mm-hmm. if I did, I would be meeting like dozens of people every day just because of the right. I just got this excuse to start talking to people, right? Too um, true. Ethan's it's been—it's been fantastic to talk and to catch up. Um, let's give people uh, an easy way to to find you. So we've got your your new app, the Real Life English app, which you can download mm-hmm. from the Apple App Store and Google Play. And give us a rundown of your other various channels and places where people can find you.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're all over the place. Uh, Instagram at English, and we post on there every single day. So, I mean, if you're learning English, there's a lot of just like great different types of things to learn with music, to learn with uh, movies, TV series, and just kind of like other tips and stuff for your learning. And you'll often see me on there like with some story or something like that. Uh, we have our blog, reallifelevel.com. That's not so up-to-date, but it at least has links to everything else that can be an easy way to, to find me. And uh, then our YouTube channels, Learn English with TV Series and Real Life English, which is a, a newer one. And that's more like English learning, um, kind of coaching and recommendations and things like that.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's been great to talk and
1: uh, hopefully it's not Likewise. Uh, another,
0: another six or seven years till the next one.
1: Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> we have to, you have to come down to Barcelona, you know, we can, yeah,
0: well, it's fine. Uh, I I can't wait. I can't wait, man. It's it's on my list. Cool. Talk soon. Later. What is the most difficult stage in learning a new language? Well, many people will tell you that it is speaking. It's when you first start to speak and you have those kind of terrifying conversations in front of a native speaker for the first time. And it's terrifying because you realise that actually all that stuff you thought you knew well, it turns out you didn't know it quite as well as you thought, you begin to freeze up, you trip over the, over your words, your memory just stops working, and speaking is just an all-round distressing experience. We've all been there, I've been there in many, many languages. And, and to help with this, I've written a series of books called 101 Conversations. And these conversations are designed to tell a story. So right from the first one to the very last one, it tells a really interesting story that's completely set in the target language. And these, because these are conversations, there is no narrative. There's no fluffy descriptions. It is just blow-by-blow blow, real conversations in the target language that are going to help you learn and memorize the most important words and phrases in the language so that you can speak with more Confidence. Now, these books I've written in French, German, Italian, Spanish, English, and they're all available on Amazon. So if you head over to Amazon.com and you search for Ollie Richards 101, then they should pop right up. That is, on Amazon.com, search for Ollie Richards 101, and you can find there the Kindle version, the paperback version, the audio version, so that you can train your ear at the same time. There is this, these will keep you busy for weeks if not months and they're also super affordable so i hope you go and check them out and i hope you enjoy the books once again on amazon.com simply search ollie richards 101